you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. That's right, that's right. Is there life after addiction? Absolutely. Bruce Stanley. You better believe it. You better believe it. And I'm Adam Comer. And, and hey guys, today, the title of this, as you can see, is Why Does Addiction Kill Some and Others Recover? And, and that's deep. That's heavy. Um, yeah. And Bruce, man, I, I, I'd, I'd like to kind of answer this. and I might get a little long-winded. Uh, but then we also have just a, a great question at the end of the podcast as well from a listener. Um, but this is deep. And so track with me. Uh, and, and I want to try to answer that because, like I said, we're not going to steer away from hard questions. We're not going to steer away from hard topics. And this is a reality when you look at the statistics of 175 people dying every day. You can't just ignore this elephant in the room. So why does addiction kill some and others recover? Right. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, as a, as a man who battled a horrific addiction to prescription opiates, uh, and now I'm a pastor and the director of an addiction recovery program, I've seen both sides of this question. I've seen people recover, and I've seen people die. I've done funerals for men that were not any crazier than I was. Uh, they didn't do anything wilder or more risky than I ever did, and yet they died, and I didn't. Why did I survive and they didn't? Man, that's crazy. And I wish I could try to just give you this simple medical answer and try to explain away these deaths in the direction of, you know, some people get laced drugs like fentanyl-laced heroin or some people have these medical issues like cardiomyopathy and they didn't know their heart was in this condition when they did this, and that's what why they died. Yeah, but, or some people are actually earnestly trying to recover. Right. Seeking all the right things, seeking God, and they still die. Yeah, and, and so just telling you these things, the surface level of trying to say laced heroin or medical problems, that just doesn't explain the whole story. That doesn't tell the whole picture. I mean, I don't say these next few things flippantly. I've done funerals for men that I love and cared for. Bruce's own father lost his life to uh, alcoholism in a nutshell. And so this is very, I say this very carefully and in love, and it's a very hard thing for me to talk about. Uh, We've lost people to this. So the question, why does addiction kill some and others recovery? And and just to be real with you, Bruce, and and everyone listening, I'm not going to answer this question completely into everyone's satisfaction. Um, Now, what I can answer and what I can say is that God is sovereign and that we're not promised tomorrow. And I can also say that I know without a shadow of doubt, without a shred of doubt, that based on the authority of God's word, that people do recover. Everyone's not doomed. Man, I have to tell you, I have to admit, early on in doing this, um, early on in, in working in this type of ministry and addiction recovery, my default position was to shake my fist at God and say, why did you not save them? Man, I would even get frustrated and ask God, why did you, why did you call me into this ministry that's so littered with devastation and destruction? It just didn't seem right, God. Like, why am I even doing this? It's almost like it's a waste of my time. And man, God revealed to me through his word and other pastors that that feeling that I had, that something's not right, this is just not right, 
is exactly what the Bible teaches, Bruce. God created a perfect place where we could live in perfect unity with him without the destruction of pain and death. And something did go way wrong. Something wasn't right. God, you can go back to and read the creation, the fall account in Genesis 1 and 3, and you see that God's perfect creation was devastated by sin. That death and destruction entered into the world and a curse came upon the earth. We've all tasted this, we've all tasted this brokenness of a fallen world. I can't blame Adam or Eve, though. I can't blame them. You can't blame them because of this curse as a result of sin, because we've all willingly participated in it. We've all willingly participated in sin. Man, the hope that I hold on to dearly is that God promises that one day all of this comes to an end for the redeemed. God provides a way out of this darkness and this destruction through Jesus. Not only that, God says in James 1 that we can even use this pain and suffering to bring him glory. He can use the seasons of trial to cause us to draw closer to him and to grow in our perseverance. God promises us that one day the presence of sin will be removed for the redeemed, but he also makes promises for us here and now, not just one day. God says that he will provide rest from the chaos. He promises that we can have true peace and joy when everything going on around us is just the opposite of peace and joy. He tells us that we don't have to worry about or be overwhelmed with anxiety. He promises that his children have victory over death, that death has no sting. So even though I've officiated funerals for believers, I can rest assured that Jesus conquered death and one day we'll meet again. Man, I hold steadfast to these promises, Bruce, because they encourage me to faithfully bring the message of hope from the gospel about bondage, about what God lays out in his word, that we can have victory from the yokes of slavery, and that includes the chains of addiction. When I read these truths, man, I see that the breaking chains of addiction, it doesn't have to be this mundane daily admittance of I'm an addict. No, it's actually the the opposite. I'm a bloodstained child of the kingdom, man. I'm made new. And I'm not defined by the wickedness of my past. I press on in these times to know the Lord. I don't claim to be perfect, but I don't look back. And I'm on my soapbox, man. And I'm going to keep going. I press on towards the goal to which Christ called me. Man, so why do some die from this and some don't? In a nutshell, man, it's because the perfect way that God created this, where there is no death, that was broken many years ago. And I would say this, if you've ever been to a funeral for any reason, it's because sin. Sin entered the world. Death came. He told him in the garden, when you eat of this, you will surely die. And at that point, the world was broken, man. We live in a world that has fallen and is cursed, and that's why death happens. And so why do some recover and why do some die? Man, we, any of us die, and it's because of sin, it's because the world was broken by sin. And the good news is God entered into his own creation as Jesus to decimate death and sin. And that's what the hope is. That's why I can have hope. And that's why I can and speak hope and truth into people's lives. Like any, now you, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, man. I mean, that, that was well said. And, you know, I, I don't think I've ever talked about this publicly uh, and you mentioned it already. My father died, uh, and he was a believer. Yeah. 
and he went to rehab. And I was 12 years old, and this was back in the 70s, man, and, and it, it looked different than, it was different recovery than, and I know he earnestly tried. Mm. He died in a car accident, and he was drunk when he died. And, man, I've had to deal with that question my whole life, man. Yeah. Like, why did he die? Why don't other people recover? Um, and, and all I have to say is, is man, you already spoke the truth. And I was going to refer to Philippians 121 that says, to live is to, for Christ, to die is to gain. Yeah. And that we live in a broken world. And it's not just addicts in recovery or seeking recovery they are dying. It's everyone. Yeah, good point. Why does, point. Why does a child at birth die? Why does a mother die at birth? Why, why do people get cancer? Why, why do some people have their life taken from them uh, abruptly or, or so quickly in, in early life? And others live to be 100 years old. I mean, it's not just a question that we ask about addiction. It's something we have to wrestle with and come to grips with about all of life. Great point. Great point. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said, my, my answer is not going to satisfy everyone. I, 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 um, but that from a biblical worldview, the reason that someone dies is because we rebelled against God and sin brought death. The wages of sin is death. Now, what we're not saying is that the, the cause of certain people don't get cancer because they were a bad person and that they were a sinner. We're talking about sin entered the world. We're talking about when Adam ate that and Adam and Eve ate that fruit, death entered the world. Mm-hmm. Now the causes of those death all look different. If you've ever been to a funeral, it's because of sin entered the world. If you ever had known someone that had the disease, it's because of sin entered the world. So to answer, I mean, that's, that's what it is. And yeah. I think the, the question that's asked, um, by the listener today. I mean, you want to add something else? Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, some people may argue, well, isn't God in control of everything? And yeah, he is in control of everything. And so based on that argument, you might say, well, then isn't God responsible for who lives and who dies? Yeah, he is. Uh, But man, you can't question the sovereignty of God and why he chooses to do these things. It, It isn't because sin has left the world and these things don't automatically happen and whether you could say that God ordained this or ordained that you know and that he does have control over these things but man I, I would say that the conclusion I came to my own father's death was maybe he spared my father maybe he spared him because of the struggle he knew he was going to have to endure yeah. and then he wasn't going to be able to do some of these things. I don't know. I can't, yeah. I can't question that, you know, yeah. but I will say that it doesn't have to automatically mean that God is wrong. Yeah. And that he's unfair. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's heavy, man. And so that's, that's a heavy thing that we want to discuss, but we want to also just talk about here at the, at the end, uh, the question that's being asked, this comes from, uh, Justin from Mississippi. Great question. Very short question, but it's deep. Should everything in the Bible be taken literal? Should everything in the Bible be taken literal? Bruce, what do you think? That's a good question. Great question. And he's not the first person to ask that, uh, so he's in good company. I think first I want to refer to Scripture, and uh, the truth is said, just kind of start this um, in an answer, is 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 that says, All Scripture is breathed out by God, 
and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Yeah. And so, man, I think the first thing that we should always do when we're trying to answer a question that's talking about a Christ-centered life or anything that pertains to God is we have to look to God's Word. And what I love about this piece of Scripture is says that Scripture is breathed out by God. Some translations say God breathed or others say inspired by. I love that one. It means God himself. Yeah. And although this Scripture was written by men, it w- they were influenced by the Spirit of God, meaning that it's God speaking to us. Right. And therefore, it's infallible. It's infallible. Right. Now, our interpretation of it might be fallible. Correct. But the true meaning of God's word is infallible. So to answer your question, uh, yes. Yes, you take every word of the Bible literally. And what I mean by literally, I mean it's the truth. Yep. You, you shouldn't question it. it. It is breathed out by God. It's meant, like a, just like the scripture says, for teaching us, for correcting us, for training us in righteousness, meaning to grow us, to understand these things. Um, the Bible also says to, to draw close to God is him drawing close to you, that we continue to seek the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul. And these things will be revealed to us, that the man of God who earnestly is seeking the answers, these questions, these things, that they will be given in due time, in God's time, that he will help us to be to able to understand these things. And, you know, I'll go back to what you were talking about before um, and one of some die and some recover you know here's here's the thing is that god is sovereign and he cannot lie yeah right because there's nothing evil about him there's no darkness within him all he is is light so the truth has to come from god in fact the definition of god fails if you can't trust his word yeah then then he isn't god and so if you're questioning God's word, you're saying, okay, well, only this applies to my life or this really means that and how, because that goes on all the time. And this interpretation of the Bible and whether we're indifferent to it or not, and whether I'm going to abide by all of it. In fact, Jesus says, I would rather you've been uh, cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I spit you out of my mouth. I mean, it's more dangerous to take half the Bible and leave out parts of it than it is to just negate it all together. In fact, one scripture that used to bother me a lot was, uh, uh, you would have been better off if you had not known the truth yeah. to know the truth and then turn away. And that's, that's deep, right? And I also want to say this, is that the word literal can also mean, can also mean in referring to how I interpret the Bible, because the Bible is written in different language styles. It's prophetic, it's historic, it's illustrative or poetic. Um, And so when I'm reading scripture, let's just take, for example, a parable that Jesus would use to describe the kingdom of God. He's using relevant things of those people's time, which was, you know, it was uh, agricultural. How do you say that? Agrarian? Yeah. Agrarian society. So uh, money meant, you know, uh, crops or livestock and these kind of things. And so he was speaking in terms that they would understand by using illustrations to help them see what the kingdom of God is like versus the kingdom of the world. 
And so you can't take every single word that he said literally, meaning that there's a representation of that word that means something. And so depending on which literary style you're reading from in the Bible, it's prophetic, historical, parable, you know, poetic or illustrative. I mean, yeah, you can say, well, yeah, he didn't mean that literally, but what the the meaning of it is and what is trying to be conveyed within context, yes. Yes, you have to take that as truth. Mm. And you can't question it. Because as soon as you start doing it, as soon as you start questioning it, you're you're falling into dangerous uh, territory. Yeah, and two two things I'll add, Justin, for you, buddy. Um, the the there's some differences. Okay, well, you take every word literal, then why are you eating pork, right? You got to know context, man. You got to know context um, because, yes, you go, turn the Old Testament. You can read that the law that God gave the Israelites as they were coming out of Egypt, they had all of these structured things of what they could eat, they couldn't eat, they could do, they couldn't do. And also it, it's important to – well, that's a side note. I was going to say it's important to know that – Man, God was giving these rules and stuff, one, to be clean, to be holy. But there was, a, we're looking at what? I mean, 1.5, 2 million people. Yeah, 4,000 years ago. <laughs> congregating together and moving. And there could be rampant disease and all of a sudden a whole people group wiped out, right? Mm-hmm. So God, I think, I think that's, that's not Bible. That's Adam's thought. Then maybe that's why some of these laws were put in place. But the reason that I eat bacon and I love bacon, is because if you read the Bible, God comes to Peter in a dream in the New Testament, and he says that these things are now clean. There's a new covenant. These things I've made clean. You can eat. You can do these things. And so you got to know the context, and you can't just have someone come to you and boom. And, and, and there's also another point. You got, so you got to know context of what's going on to understand that literally he said this, and literally that is the word of God, and literally he meant it. Yeah. But if you're trying to take it out of context and apply it to something that God didn't mean to apply it to, then you're in error, not God. Next thing is, is there is a difference. Here's where I think we get into trouble nowadays with all the different really cults, if you want me to be honest, that claim Christianity. Uh, Where we get in trouble is there's a difference between um, translation and transmission, right? Mm. There's a difference between translation People will translate the Bible, and it now says things that it it didn't say. But what's crazy is we have, to date, uh, an embarrassment of riches when it comes to original language text, manuscripts, original language manuscripts. Uh, We're talking about thousands, thousands of just the New Testament to where you can go back to the original language if you learn Greek or know Greek or you know someone who can read Greek, and you can read what the text says. Whereas I'm reading an NWO Bible and it says it adds a word, takes away a word, or looks at a word differently, um, that's different. That's not, it's not been, there's no error in God's word being taken literal because somebody translated it from the original Greek and then added instead of. Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and someone added, and the Word was a God. That's not from the original language. We can go back and look at that. That's translated, not transcribed. It was given to God, inspired men to write it in the original language, and we can go back and look at it now. And that's why a lot of the um, cults 
today, and I won't mention anybody by name, or maybe I will, I don't know. That's why a lot of the cults today that are ringing the Christian bell are starting to have major problems because we've found these uh, with the Dead Sea Scrolls and scholars. More and more people are learning Greek, Koine Greek, and different languages, and they can go back and they can read the original language manuscripts that were there in the earliest of the first century and say, first and maybe second century, and say, hey, that's not what, why does your Bible say a God, not the God? Yeah, and I just want to say in there to clarify, embarrassment of riches, which is what you said, is is defined by the fact that we have so many now historical records and uh, countless scripts that were written to verify that it's not just coming from one version, it's many different people who wrote the same thing, which couldn't have happened over thousands of years, yada, yada, yada. And man, I mean, we could go really deep on this, but just to kind of be brief in answering Justin's questions, I mean, that's that's what we mean by taking the Bible literally. You, you have to first approach it that it's the truth of God. Um, you have to look at it within the context of what you're reading. You have to know. I think it, my wife and I always say it's time. I mean, we'll, when we argue together, we always have to first come to the understanding that, man, I love you and you love me. Yeah. And nothing is going to separate that. There's nothing that's going to break us apart. From you. So it doesn't matter what we're arguing about. That's the conclusion. And so in the same way, we have to approach God's word that way. It's like, man, in the end, it's the truth. Right. Right. And no matter how I interpret it or what I'm being misled by, I can trust that God is speaking truth, that I have to listen to what is, you know, there's one proverb, 2412, I believe, that says, don't pretend you don't know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, you can take that literally, right? Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't pretend. pretend you don't know what's going on. Yeah. God knows that you knew. Yeah. And man, when you read a verse like that, it's like, dang. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's even, no side skirt in that. <laughs> even even back in episode six, when we talked about works and faith, we talked about what people would presume is a contradiction when Paul and James talk about faith and works. Go back and check that episode out if you haven't already. But it, the same thing, you got to know the context. You got to know who's saying it. God, God's saying it through this person to a specific group. How does it apply to them? Then you got to bridge it to how it applies to us. Yeah, I'm sorry to bust your, everybody's bubble out there. Uh, and man, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but you know what? I don't care. Uh, the King James Version is not the only Bible yeah. that you should read. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that that man that that opened up a whole another can of worms. Yeah, I mean, there's I'm there's <laughs> there's great there's great translations um, besides the King James. Absolutely, the King James uh, is is a good translation. It's a good translation. Good translation. Yeah. So, um, but uh, he's responding to that because some of the stuff that we've recently seen that there's some major conflict and controversy over King James only. Yeah, and they, almost that you're reading a. Anyways, that's a whole other day. That's all the time we have. Bruce, thank you so much. Listeners, I got Bruce Stanley, Adam Comer. We love you guys. Check out the next episode. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Recovery. If you have any questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email them to info at springtolife.net. That's info at spring, the number two, life.net. And for more information on addiction recovery, visit s2lrecovery.org. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. 
On my podcast, The Becca Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.